Welcome back to Talk About, a podcast designed to discuss topics related to modern culture and society that affects the black community. And I am your host, Theron Frazier. Before we get started with this week's episode, I would like to share some information with you guys. We now have a website, www.talkaboutwiththeron.com, where you can go there and support the show by using one of our affiliate links. There are several links there, one for Amazon, one for Fiverr, and one for Instacart. We also have a Patreon page where you can go and donate. And if you have a business, you can actually have a tier where we can promote your business on our Patreon page. Just go to www.talkaboutwiththeron.com and go to become a member. You can also subscribe there and leave your email address and you will get the latest updates on the podcast. Recently, we've been focused on issues and topics that are associated with the United States. But we all know that the black community expands far beyond the borders of the United States. And that's why on the upcoming season on Talk About With Ron, I want to take the podcast international and start talking to different members of the black community that were not born and raised in the United States. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your stories. I want to hear what are the challenges that you face as a black person in your country, no whether it's good or bad, you know, economic or not, I want to understand your country, the black community. We need to come together and we should come together and understand each other because my experiences as a black American or African-American is not the same as yours. I've sat down and I talked to different black people from around the world. And, you know, who live here in the United States from other countries. And the experience is totally different. I want to hear that. I want to share that experience with other black people. You know, my experiences you've learned from me and I have international listeners. And I want to invite you to come on to my show and talk to me and tell the world about your country. Represent your country. Represent where you're from. Tell everybody what they should know about your country. I want to open those doors up to everybody because, like I said earlier, the black community extends far beyond the boundaries of the United States borders. I want to talk to all of you. I want to hear your experience. I want to share your experiences and you can be an ambassador for your country and tell everybody what they should know about your country you, how your race, your culture, your experiences, your view in life, everything. If you would like to come on the podcast and discuss your country and where you're from, there's a link down below. You can go onto my show and register as a guest. You can contact me directly on Facebook, the Ron Frazier Sr., you can go to my website, www.talkaboutwiththeron.com, and you can have access to send me a message directly, or you can register as a guest, fill out the registration form, and I will contact you. This invitation also goes out to people who live in the United States that are from other countries that were born and raised in other countries. So don't think that just because you live in the United States that you can't come on and be a part of this experience. I know that there are many people in the United States who were just moved here in the last five, 10 years and who have extensive experience in their country where you come from. So this invite goes to everyone that were not born and raised in the United States. So I invite you all to come be a part of the Talk About With The Ron Black Experience World Tour. Before I go into this week's episode, I just want to extend that invitation for that promo for the Black Experience World Tour. If you know somebody who was born in another country that's black and you think they would be a good you know, person to come on the show and talk about their experiences in their country, have them reach out to me. www.talkaboutwiththeron.com, Theron Frazier Sr. on Facebook, you can hit me on Twitter, hit Specialist. So just have a person reach out to me and I will get them on the show. Now, let's get into this week's episode. Mike Jewell and I is going to continue that conversation on racism. This week, we talk about police brutality 
um, holding them accountable. We're going to be talking about our own personal experiences with racism as people have been racist towards us, our own personal experiences with police officers and in interaction with police. And we're going to talk about that notorious N word nigger. So stay tuned. This is racism part two. So when I led into this topic, I actually kind of led into the police killings. And basically, I want to talk about systemic racism as it happens in the system of the United States. And I ain't going to just say the jail prison system It's it's in the system, period. No matter if it's employment, housing, equal housing, if it's judicial system, it's there. And as a black man. I've experienced it. I know many other black men have experienced it, especially when they're dealing with the police. What can we do to change this? Because it seems like there's nothing we can do. We've tried everything. We've tried silent protesting. We've tried protesting. We've tried marching. We've tried everything. And then y'all was here, just comply. Well, when we comply, we die. What do we do as a black community? Get the um bad people out of office, like up in Philadelphia. Um, I don't know what the guy's name is, but I know in the city of Philadelphia, they fired what twenty district attorneys. These people had been, you know, uh, the, the whole police, you know, trumped up, char- you know, charges on people, planting evidence, and you know. They said this behavior, this was known behavior for years and years and years. And when the new, I guess it's district attorney got in, he cleaned house because he knew he came up through the ranks. So he knew the behavior that was going on with some of the underhanded stuff that they do with the lawyers and the police. I give you this one. You give me the next one. And not even taking into consideration, this person could have been non-guilty, but they kind of had a barter system (laughs) You know, I let that last guy go. We're going to have to get somebody to go. You know, they did all kind of crazy stuff. So to me, you have to root um, these evil people out of the system and make some serious legislative changes in the laws. That's the key. Legislative changes. But you know what? Legislative changes can't occur if people don't go out and vote. Right. It automatically comes back down. If you want to change you better get out there and vote. And I mean, not just for national elections or your state representative. Nah, you got to take it to the micro level. You know, you got to vote for your mayors. You got to vote for the the, the school intended. You got to vote for your commissioners. It is designed for us basically to be disenfranchised. They start from an early age and we must, we we, got to see that. Right. Like you can drive with a suspended license and get your voting rights taken. People kept talking about gun rights. No, 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 no. They don't care about you owning a gun. Right. They care about you voting because that's going to keep them in power. That's going to keep minorities in power by taking your vote away because they take your vote away. They take your right away. And they literally just did. You look around. That's they're trying to do. They're going to make it difficult for you because they want to put roadblocks. Because now they're like, hold on, we got in the state of Georgia, we got two Democrats. Then it's like, okay, they're not they're they're not worried about what's happened. They're worried about the next election, right? Because now they're saying, hold on, if we got two statewide representatives in the Senate, what about the governorship? Is the governorship next? That's why he did it, because Stacey Abrams was on his tail in the last election. He's afraid for the next one. That's why he went ahead and signed it. So you know what they're going to do, right? They're going to say, all right, this is what's going to happen. There's always another fight. So if Stacey Abrams, let's say for instance, Stacey Abrams uh, runs, win, they're going to strip the power from the governor, the legislator, because of gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. So it's it's always the next fight. So right now, gerrymander, and you want to know why the, dis, the, the discord and the politics, why no, no, nothing can get done? Because they're not afraid to lose. You know why they're not afraid to lose? Because they rigged the system. They put all of us in one, 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 one uh, uh, a section, one district, so basically to lessen our vote. It starts from an early level. 
Like, I mean, even like take these, take these, you know, this, this, this district attorney. That's an elective official too, right? Mm-hmm. If that guy, if the George Floyd, if if what you would call it, what attorney general uh, of Minnesota wasn't black, I, I, even though we got video, there still could be where a guy go in there and say, you know what, I don't think that was, you know, I don't think that was a police, police brutality. I think that, you know, X, Y, Z happened because, you know, they got always paint us a certain way regardless, even though we can be on video. We've got plenty of videos that's out there and there's plenty of cops still walking around, even though it's on file. Breonna Taylor's case. Basically, there was no video, but it was clear date that was wrong. Those guys are still around. Why? Because basically the entire state is Republican. So, again, it's sort of like if we want if we want any type of representative, we got to get out and vote. That's how we change. But I want to I want to go back real quick because you both said something that I feel like, yeah, voting is important, very important. That's how you're going to make the changes in your local government and making changes in your local community. And um, Julie, I think you mentioned something about in Philadelphia um, with the DA coming in and cleaning. Larry Krasner is his name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But in our community in 2021, and it's been like that for like this for years, our young men aren't making it to the courtroom. They've been murdered at the police stop. We need to start holding these police officers accountable for what they're doing to our young people. Now, I'm not saying we, as in, go out there and do something harmful to a police officer. I'm not saying that because not I understand not all cops are bad cops. You know, we got cops in our family. I'm saying when these cops do something, the system got to hold them accountable. Just like if we go out and do something, we are we're held accountable. They need to be held accountable. It shouldn't be a matter of you murder somebody. I mean, when do you get stopped by the police for a traffic violation and end up dead? And then they're saying, oh, well, you know, it was a mistake. Like the lady who just shot the young kid, um, Deontay, right? I can understand it might have been an accident. However, you're going to be responsible for what you did. It might have been an accident. You might have yelled taser, but you obviously had a gun in your hand. You made a, a mistake that cost someone their life, and you need to be held accountable for that. First degree murder? No, I don't think so. But manslaughter for sure. And any other cop that has killed someone in the line of duty need to be held accountable because you are a trained professional. You are held to a higher standard to be more responsible in that situation. You're not there to kill somebody. You're there to, to de-escalate the situation, not escalate the situation. I saw a video this morning where a Hispanic guy was on the ground. I don't care how much he tussled with the cop. You don't shoot the man in his back. And it was yeah. three of them was one of him. Come on, man. This, this got to stop happening because every time my child, my son leave the house in his car, I'm afraid. I think about it until he get home or get to where he's going safely. What happens if he get pulled over? I don't had the conversation with him hundreds of time. I don't had the conversation with all my boys hundreds of time. But you still can't control what's going on when you're not there. You can barely control what's going on when you are there because you're you're just as in de- much danger as they are. I mean, I always said this. All these lawsuits. Okay, I'm tired of hearing the cop was. A, um, there's no charges being brought on the cop, but the family go and sue the police department and now they get all this money coming from the police department. But we're paying for that as taxpayers. I shouldn't have to pay for every time the cop go out here and fuck up something. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, right? We shouldn't have to pay. That shouldn't come out of our pocket. What it needs to happen is since these cops so hard bent on their freaking pension funds, let that money start coming out of their pension and come out of their pocket. If you're not going to charge a cop, Come out of the cop's pension. And I'm not talking about just one cop's pension. I'm talking about the entire pension fund for the cops for that county or that city or whatever, whoever they were for them in that jurisdiction. If these cops start losing money out of their pockets and they're not going to get a pension or whatever they're going to retirement, I promise you they're going to stop their brothers and sisters from going out there hurting our people. But something needs to happen and we got to start holding them accountable. I mean, I ain't going to go off on a rant, but that's that's my feeling. 
But it, to me, when it comes to the cops, there's two things. You Training. You know, we said they're trained professionals, but a lot of the things that you see, um, they're not trained properly. They don't have good de-escalation skills. You see on the videos, you know, why did why did she shoot him? Why did she shoot him? Why did she shoot him? Julie, I, I disagree with that because I'm going to say this. OK, they hold so much restraint when it's a white person. As yeah. a suspect than when there's a black person. Yeah. So why you can't use the same training that you just use when apprehending this white person who just killed eight people. Then when you handling a young black kid who just getting pulled over for a traffic violation. That's not training. That's your personal unconscious bias. You're right. unconsciously biased towards us. Cause to your point, the, the guy in the church uh, that killed all the people in Emmanuel in South Carolina, they took him to Burger King. The guy in up in Minnesota, the young man walking past with the assault rifle in his hand. He's the one that did the shooting and they rode right past him in the train. He's in the tank. He's like, oh, they're back that way. He was the one doing the shooting, but they didn't even question him. Had he been black walking with that assault rifle in his hand, they would have been all arms in his face. So to me, it's it's not the training. It's your unconscious bias. And they're unconsciously biased to people that looked it for them. The, the guy in Texas, the old man in Texas, riding with the police officer, hanging off the, the, the police officer, beating the man with a hammer trying to let to let him go because he didn't stole something or did an accident at Home Depot. If that was somebody white, you pull out your gun. I mean, black, you pull out your gun and you shoot them. So it's more about the unconscious bias to me within the people. So you need to be trained effectively in how to deal with your unconscious bias as a um, police officer to me. I don't even think there's unconscious about it. I think it's just blatant racism. <laughs> I think that they, I, I think that they just value white life better. Better, like right. here's the, that, that's all it is. Like you know what it is. I'm gonna just be realistic and say, oh, they killing themselves. Why should I value their life? Like every 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 time that there's a black killing, they got to go into our history, right? We have have we seen the, have we talked have they talked about the white dude literally just almost just ran over a couple of cops, one cop hanging out of the truck. Do we know anything about his background yet? Do we know if he, do, do we know, do we know if he be his wife or, or he had any DUIs yet? If he did drugs. No, but guess what? But guess what? I mean, they literally can tell you about Dante Wright's history within 24 hours. Right. Right. So it's not even unconscious about it. It's not even about the training because they got the training. They just say, you know what? Nah, this is the opportunity where we can fire our gun and get away with it. That's period. Right. And they, they they have immunity. They have immunity. Mm-hmm. They have immunity. They're saying, guess what? If this person's got a knife, like here's this. You got three cops. They all got guns. Is a knife going to, if knife going to take you out? No. But they say, hey, I saw a knife. I flashed the knife. I could kill. Or I feel, th- I feel threatening. The guy is butt naked. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that happened here, Mike. You know? Yeah, butt naked. Crazy. He was threatening. He was fearful for his life, and the guy was butt naked. Nothing. He had nothing in his hand. And nothing in his hand. That, no yeah. weapons. No nothing. Just butt naked, and they killed him. Yep. But because he feared you know, for his life. He feared for his life. He. I saw. I saw a knife, or I saw a gun. That's why it's like here's the deal. Like every time, I, I mean, every time that there's a mass shooting, and they and they catch someone alive, I'm like, how the hell did this happen? How could you go over here? You shoot up eight, nine people, and you get arrested alive. Like I get, I, I I'm gonna get shot even if I reach for my driver's license quick in my own car. Right. But if I'm if I'm walking down the road, forget about it. If I'm walking down the road with a gun, man, there's gonna be so many cops surrounding me. Quick. Right. When there is a mass shooting and the shooter die and it was white, he normally take his own life. Just like take his own life. Happened, yeah, just like what happened was it yesterday? Yep. Um the, when the, the FedEx guy, guy when right? FedEx guy and killed everybody and killed all those people and killed himself. Mm-hmm. I mean it's and then there was another shooting today and I forgot what city that was in a mall. I don't know what happened there. I ain't read no more about it. But it's all these mass shootings and these people are walking 
away going to court. And then when they go to court, this is what they do. They'll take the mass shooter and put his high school picture out there for everybody to see after he don't killed all these people. But when you got a black victim who just got murdered by the police or whomever, they want to go pull up a, a mugshot or some negative picture that they found on social media. Or oh, this is um, Tyrone and he got three baby mamas and he got this and he got that. But they ain't talking about Jerry over here who just murdered 18 people. It's, it's not right. And it's it's hard. It's it's hard to deal with every day and, and have to wake up to this every day. It's just hard. Yeah, I mean, it's getting difficult. I mean, because here's the deal to think about it is everything is on video now. So you're seeing it. it's always been there. It's always been there. We always knew like, hey, you know, you get pulled over at night. Don't make any certain moves because things can well, happen. It and that's why the you that's know? why the army guy went to the lighted area. Exactly, and he still got pepper sprayed. Yeah, and he talk about soldiers going to fight for a country that don't fight for them. That's 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 America. Mm. That's America. No doubt. Twenty no twenty one. So, um, <laughs> I think we just killed that topic. <laughs> I want to get a couple, you know, from you guys. What are some of your experiences with racism? Uh, you know, for the most part, I mean, I don't really get like, a, I don't really have a lot of stories about race, racism that's happened to me, um, especially like overt racism. For the most part, it's like, you know, it's just like certain little things that they people would say uh, and it makes it cringe. But I mean, I did have one re- recently, not involving uh, a white person. It was a, a an Asian lady. I was basically walking in the community, uh, and I was behind, you know, probably at least about thirty steps behind this Asian lady, and she kind of like turned back around. I kept walking because I had my earphones. I didn't really know if she was saying anything. Uh, but when I got like close by her for sitting there, I was getting ready to walk by. I heard her say, "Nigger, there's a pandemic." I was like what the hell is this lady talking about? And I just kind of kept walking. I was like, wow, like Asian person just basically discriminating against me. And that's crazy. Like that was the first time I was ever been called like the N word. And I was like, and it came from like this Asian person. So I was like, man, that's kind of, that's kind of tripping. I I think I want to have a reaction, but I didn't give her the time of day. I was like, I just kept walking. I just kind of thought it was like one of those things where, wow, a minority basically discriminating against another minority. Wow. That's, right. That's America at times. Yeah, yeah. And Julie, you have a, one you want to share? Just the racist behavior I I don't care for is when you're going in a store. You know, the mm. the it, be it an Asian person washing you around, you know, the hair beauty supply store. I, I mean, I don't go there anymore, but you know, you're always watching me while I'm in your store, but yet your business is growing off of my people. Right. Mm, true. And then, um, if you go to the finer stores, you know, when I go shopping, I don't like to Ooh, dress up. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I look like a bum when I go shopping cause I'm just, you know, trying on clothes, but the looks you get, like if you were in mm. like Neiman's or Saks or something like mm. that, True. I'm like, you know, th- money's green. You know, what makes you think that I don't have money or somebody wants to steal? Those are the racist, you know, kind of scenarios that have always, you know, made me, you know, want to say a few things. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely experienced that. You trying to jog the memory there on that one. And I kind of like, I kind of like look at them. I'm like, dude, you just don't know. You know, like I'm literally, you need me to buy here to support you. And now you're just going to basically kind of like look at me and and antagonize me. Like I'm coming here to steal. Like, yeah, that happens in South Florida all the time. When you go like to like Palm Beach Isles, Palm Beach Island, where you're like, they kind of like look at you like, okay, why are you over here? I'm like, shut the hell up. I'm here because I can afford to be here for one. And if I couldn't afford to be here, I wouldn't be here. Just like, you know, oh, and you know what? Matter of fact, that that was kind of funny. The white lady was stealing. (laughs) (laughs) 
And literally, like, I heard a security guard that was like, hey, 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 run out the store. And I'm like, I kind of like looked at the salesperson. I'm like, ain't this some shit? <laughs> <laughs> wow. you, you know, that was kind of funny. I thought that was kind of funny. Well, um, Julie, you were, what you just said reminded me of a, one of my favorite scenes in a movie. Um, and rest in peace, DMX. But from Romeo Must Die, when he went to the car dealership, him and Anthony Anderson to go buy the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they got assumed they couldn't afford it. And he literally handed guy a bag full of cash and said, I want this car. You can do the paperwork later on. And it was a black guy, which happens. Yeah. That's the one that was no discriminating doubt. or being prejudiced towards him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes we could do that to our own people too, you know. You know. But, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. You know, one of my experiences. With racism and wow, I, I've had so many, man. It's I'm give I'm gonna give it a short and simple one. One day I went to the um and I wanna say it was I don't know if he was trying to be racist, but it wasn't a funny joke to me. I was in the store at uh, a quick trip here in Atlanta, and I was in the bathroom, we used in the bathroom, then I went over and washed my hand, right? And this white guy come up, older guy, probably in his late 50s, early 60s. And I guess he had been working on something because he had like this black smut stuff on his hand. So I'm washing my hands. And I, I want to I call him a SOB, but I ain't going to do that. <laughs> I'm washing my hands. And he walks up beside me. And he starts washing his hand. He looks over at me and says, oh, it'll come off my hand. It ain't coming off yours. Oh, hell no. And And... He caught me off guard and he washed it and then walked out the bathroom and I paused and I was like, I know this motherfucker didn't just say what I think he just said. So when I went out the bathroom, they were fine. He had not cut out the store and left. But I was like, this, that, I don't, I don't, that was some racist shit. You called him a name. Hmm? You called him a name. You're like that. Try me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that happened to me. Like I said, I got so many stories, man. I, I had my experiences with police several times with gun drawn on me. Just when the time. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've had the gun drawn on me several times by police. I was one time I was um me and my uncle got pulled over here in Conyers. We got pulled over and on the side of the road. And this I tell you, this tell you how scary police are. They'll give you as a black man, they give you a command. They tell you to do something. You do it and then they draw the guns. So that's why I can understand when the guy, the military guy pulled over, he had his hands out the window. You don't you can't just make no sudden move with them because they will shoot you. And so we pulled over. I'm in the passenger seat and then I'm in the um, my uncle's in the driver's seat. And he asked my uncle for his um, registration. So my uncle says in the glove compartment. Can I get it? He's like, yeah. So my uncle reached over to the um, glove compartment to grab it. The cop put his put his gun on and said, you're making me nervous. You're making me nervous. And everybody put their hands on. I said, hold on. You just said you're just making me moving too fast. I'm like, hold on. Like what? He just literally told you what he was reaching for. So that was one scenario. Another, I was driving my car. I pulled up into the driveway at my mother-in-law house. I'm sitting in the, I'm in an escalate. I'm sitting there waiting. I was about to get out the car, but I noticed the police had followed me all the way from where I come from the restaurant, all the way to the house. Right. So I, I pull in the yard. It's at night. The police car pull up behind my car. And then I'm sitting there like, okay, so what's about to happen? So I didn't, I didn't get out of the car. I'm waiting. Like what's about to happen? Another police car pull up. I'm like, oh snap. So when I'm come up, with a gun drawn on one side of the car on my driver's side and another come up gun drawn on the passenger side of the car and they got the gun drawn flashlight so I got my hands up they're telling me get out the car get out the car so I'm like my hands are up because I didn't want to reach down because it's at night and there's no lighting there they got flashlight drawn so they open the door they open the door and shine the flashlight on their face oh we got the wrong person suppose I'd have just Reached for the wrong thing at the wrong time, or, or reached for the door, open the door. I'd have been shot. Th- this, wow. but these are experiences yeah, that, that black men have all the time with police. That 
a lot of times go unnoticed or go untalked about or whatever. Wow. You know, you just jogged my memory, man. Let me tell you, I was coming back from Tampa. I had just got my crested 300 and uh, it was just me and my daughter. She was a Maybe, man, Maya probably was about maybe six or seven months old. We were coming back from my mom's house, and I'm literally taking, uh, like, the back roads to get back because I didn't want to take the turnpike. And I'm getting close to my home, probably about maybe 20, 30 miles, literally two-lane road going across from, you know, from Tampa, basically, from the west coast of Florida to the east coast. There's this little road called Yeehaw Junction. I'm literally driving. I can see the cop. And I'm like, okay, I know I'm not speeding. But watch, he gets behind me. Sure enough, I pass by him. He gets behind me and pulls up to the window. Mind you, my baby is literally six months. She's in the back seat. He doesn't even look at her at all. I'm like, okay, so where's this going? He was like, well, can I check the car? I'm like, excuse me? Tell you talking about you checking the car. He was like, well, nobody usually take this route. I'm like, dude, it's broad daylight, three o'clock. There's plenty of cars on this road. What are you talking about? And he was like, I didn't ask you a question. Like, uh, I'm telling you, there's a you just said something that was asinine. And and it was like, Well, I need license and registration. I gave my license and registration. He was like, Well, can I check the trunk? I'm like, what the hell you want to check my trunk for? And it was like, Well, and he he hesitated. And he was like, are you going to allow me to check the trunk? I was like, uh, no. And he was like, well, can you get out the car? And I was like, he was like, get out the car. I was like, okay. I got out the car. And the only thing, I mean, me, we literally sitting on the side of the road. He's running. He's trying to say something. He hasn't ran my license and registration yet. He's basically just trying to get in the car at all, you know. And I was like, you know what? After this traffic stop is over, I'm going to need your license and registration. I'm going to need your badge number. You know, and he was like, why do you need my badge? And I was like, because this is, I can already tell that this is not going the way it's supposed to. You've asked me to get out of the car. You haven't ran my license. You know, you're asking me, what is my profession? Like, that's all irrelevant. Like, why are you pulling me over? He was like, well, I know that you were speeding a little, uh, you were speeding. I was like, no, I wasn't. Dude, I saw you a mile away. I was going 65. All right. And he looked over and seen my my television work badge, this is no lie. And I've got so upset. He looked over there at the badge, gave me my driver's license while I'm standing on the side of the road, just gets in his car and sped off. Now I'm just wow. like, what? Like, what the hell did just happen here? He's like, and it was like, well, have a good day. So I'm like, okay, this guy just basically pulled me over, didn't run my license, didn't run my registration. But because he realized now I'm a professional and I work for television that he's going to probably get in trouble or I'm going to make a hay about it. Literally that just, just gets in the car, walks away, gets in the car. And I didn't think, I just thought he was going to his car to run me, but I should have realized he just gave me back my driver's license and registration, got in the car, sped off. But it happens I just all the felt, time. Oh my God. I was just so incensed, dude. Like, Oh my God. That happens so often that we get profiled just like that. Just to see, Mike, me and you, I was, me and you, when we got pulled over in, in Tampa, my first time ever going to Tampa, I had just been oh, there, yeah. what, 30 minutes? And they pulled us out the car to search the car? Yep, Georgia Tech, right? Wow. Yes. They pulled yeah. us out. I, was, I think I was, what, 15? And you were, what, 16? No, yeah, we were I think young. I was 16. I was maybe, yeah, I think I was 17 or 16, you know? Yeah. But we were kids. We were literally kids, like scared. They literally I, I had mean, us on side road with like seven police cruisers behind us searching the car and talking about we smelled like we had marijuana in the car. The car, the car, they asking me for my driver's license stuff. I was 15. I don't have a driver's license. I had a, um, a learner's permit, but they asked me for my information, my ID, driver's license. And I'm in the passenger seat. I'm like, I'm not driving. Well, the car smelled like Buddha Dean. I'm like, what is Buddha Dean? I ain't never heard that before. Oh, you're right. I remember that. I remember and, that. Like, and, that and guy was like, making up. First of all, we don't even smoke. We don't even smoke marijuana. First of all, I know. I know that was a lie to begin with. I kind of like, kind of probably looked over there. Like, yeah, these guys. Yeah, it's just racism. 
And then you had just sprayed the car because there was ants in the car. So they, they really, oh. really, it was funny <laughs> was that they searching the car and we had just told them that we sprayed the car because there was an ants in the car in the back seat. So <laughs> no, they didn't believe that. So they, they don't, they got us on sitting on the curb in the middle of a neighborhood with everybody out looking at us, don't surround it, got a seven police cars out there. They searching the car. Actually, and we were both minors at the time. Wow. Yeah. Just to, just to be back there and one cop come out there slapping all his wrists and elbows and knees. So I'm like, there's I believe him. I believe him. There's ants all over the back of that car. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. then they give us our yeah. stuff back and let us go. But it was, it was, it was yeah. just stuff like that. They look for stuff to try to, to, to entrap you. And once they Pretty do much. that, you're in the system. Now you're in the system, and here comes that systemic racism. Yep. You know, I do tell my kids, I like in situations like that, I'm just like, dude, comply, and we'll fight it off in court. Right. Literally, like, just comply. Don't give them any reason to do anything. You know, we, it's better. It's better to it's better to just fight it out in court than basically. For me to be crying or for you to be crying because we made a certain move or we wanted to fight with them. Julia, I mean, your son having, how old is your son? 20. He'll be 28. Yeah, he'll be 28. Yeah, no, fortunately, he's never, well, actually, like when you cross in the Georgia, South Carolina line, he got a ticket in South Carolina and my husband had to go to court with him. And he, Anthony was saying, I see how they get you know, people in the little town, you know, mm-hmm. just coming through, you know, and if you don't have the money, you know what I'm saying? The pay right then and there, they locking you up, you know? So you can see where people will get in the system for a minor infraction. You don't pay on time. You have your fees and your penalties and you're always in the system because you're always having these late fees or penalties for, a $25 for, for a small infraction, you know? Right. 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 It's, it's, it's so much. And to me, like one, one person said, the police is working. The police was founded to find runaway slaves. Right. That's what the police was formed for. So no, it's not working for us because it was started to keep us in line. Right. You know what I mean? So it's working the way that it was designed. It's just not in our favor, right? So it's never that's been why in the our whole favor. System, exactly. That's the whole system needs to be changed. Right. I got one more topic I want to hit before I let you guys go, if you guys got the time. Mm-hmm. I debated on adding this topic to the list, but you know what? You know, just by seeing it, it needs to be talked about. And that's the word nigger everywhere you look that word they're they're trying to erase it which is great i think every racial slur no matter if it's a black slur a white slur a hispanic slur uh, a a a transgender whatever slur they need to be eradicated from the face of the earth i will say that point blank right now thing is that word has become the n-word right everybody feels safe saying the n-word I'm telling you now on this podcast, I'm about to say it, nigger. And I think that we give that word as a black community too much power. I feel like if someone call you a nigger, they're doing that because they're intentionally trying to get a response out of you. They're intentionally trying to get you to react because they know by them saying that is going to make you feel a certain way. And when you react the way they want you to, and when you react the way they Hoping you would, you're giving them power and you're giving that word power. A lot of black people hear that word and they want to pop off. They want to knock somebody out. They want to fight. But why? It's just a word. And what happens is when you do pop off, when you do fight somebody, when you do knock somebody out, now you're the one in trouble because they said something. Now, I know everybody hate that word. I hate it, too. But we cannot let that word control us. We cannot let that word have that much power over us. Now, I have a different thought on this. And so I'm, I'm a city girl. And growing up, that was not nigger, but nigger. 
it was a term of endearment for us growing up. It wasn't until I came down here that I really understood the magnitude of using the word from a derogatory way. But growing up, when if somebody said that to you, they said, that's my nigga. That meant, here come my friend. Here comes, here come my girl. Here come my boy. So I grew up like that. I really did. And it wasn't until I got down here and got, you know, educated on, well, nah, Julie, that's not really a term of endearment, you know, that's, and, and so people had to really explain the, you know, history of the word because growing up in my community, it was a term of endearment. Wow. And I mean, yeah, I've, I've, well, in the black community, we say the word nigga, N-I-G-G-A a lot. Okay. To me, it means the same damn thing. I don't like to hear my kids say it and they say it. And I know I've said it plenty of times in my lifetime. But to me, I don't like neither. Because it's, it's one that just built off the other. You wouldn't want other people saying it. So don't you say it, right? But I'm thinking that when someone's saying it to you in a derogatory way to try to get a response from you because they're saying it out of hatred, we should not let them have the power. That word how much that much power over us is my point. You know, I, what you're saying, Julie, is like, you know, like you said, that's my nigga. You know, black person saying it to another black person. Right. But when you got a white person, let's say Becky is mad at you and you and Becky's in an argument and she call you, you effing nigger. She's saying that because she know that may hurt you emotionally. But if you don't let that hurt you emotionally, okay, that just show how ignorant she is, right? But there's people who who've said stuff like that and gotten in trouble because they hurt somebody because that word was said to them. Now, I feel like every other black people. Now, I'm gonna sit here and say they didn't get what was coming to them, but I'm just saying that in our community, that word have too much power. Any any slur have too much power over a certain group of people. And, and it's just, we shouldn't allow words to have that much power over us. That's just my thoughts. See, nigger and nigga is two different things. I mean, it, it, that word nigga is, nigga is, is desensitized because it, truthfully the matter is, is like, they're all using it now. This whole generation, the whole younger generation is using that word. You know? And you know when someone's using that word in malicious intent. You know it. So what you're saying is when they use that word with malicious intent not to have an emotion, that's going to be hard because of the history of that word. I think that word is going to always have, you know, a negative connotation that's going to make a black person feel a certain way, you know, and it, it, and ultimately it comes down to who's saying that word because you hear that word coming from like a Hispanic person it doesn't have the exact same stinging power if it's coming from like a white person, right? And I hear it, you know. I've heard black Cubans say that word, and you, you kind of like laugh at, it, but they were still using that word with malicious intent. Just didn't have the exact same type. You just didn't have the exact same visceral response to it. So I think that word will always somewhat have a negative connotation. But as far as, you know, the word nigga is concerned, nigga, you know, with the G-A, like, I think there's all these young people are like using that word. Like, it's just like, you know, homie, you know. So, I mean, I don't have a negative connotation. That word, can, when I hear it, I used to have like this negative response when I hear you know, little white kids talking amongst themselves, but then you kind of look at it like, hold on, they talking amongst themselves. You know, that's sort of like the cultural change, the cultural shift with that word, you know. But I get it. We do need to, you know, try to limit the, the emotion when it comes to that word, but that's going to be very hard to do because it's engraved with this whole history with the Klan and that word was used basically to de degradate us and, and, and to make us feel a certain way. Maybe in a hundred years, we won't have the exact visceral response. I mean, and that, that's why I'm saying what I'm saying, Mike. You're saying that word was created to make us feel a certain way. Why are we giving it that much yeah. power today? Why are we, why are we I mean, 
still allowing that word to hurt us emotionally. I don't think we're allowing it. I don't think we're allowing it. I just think that it's just one of those, you know, it's just one of those responses of feeling that you can't get away with it. It's sort of like, I don't know if you've ever taken, you know, one of these emotional tests when they try to judge your heartbeat and they put you in certain responses in your heartbeat. Basically, you have no control. It's just automatically you feel a little tense. And it's the exact same thing. You know, it really depends. Like you hear that word and it's automatic. Like you're not thinking. It's just you're just going to have that negative reaction to it. You know, maybe in a couple, you know, maybe in a couple of hundred years, we won't have that same type of response and it would be muted. But a right now it's hundred, still, it's still uh, maybe a hundred, maybe a hundred, a couple, a couple maybe a hundred, maybe a hundred. Maybe, I wouldn't say a couple hundred, maybe a hundred, you know, definitely hundred, 50, 50 plus. You know how many hundreds of years it's, it's already been? It's been a long, well, 200, it, 250, it's been, 260. Is it 1530? What year was it? 15 what? Well, well, when they, they bringing, when they start um, gathering slaves from Africa, I know. I mean, I don't say that. I don't maybe, say that word dates maybe, back to maybe, then. I'm not gonna say that word dates back to then, but it's been a long time. And I mean, okay, Julie, if you're out and about and someone just call you a nigger, how would you respond to that? Okay. I, t- I try to take the high road now um, when dealing with, you know, um, somebody coming at me I, in a derogatory way. I may I may may not even respond, you know, hoping you're, you're having a bad day today or something like that. I, I, I try not to respond to negative, you know, things anymore, especially to somebody who doesn't know me, who's just calling me out the blue, some name like that. You know, things don't move me like they used to. Exactly. And that's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly the response I'm I'm saying that we should give. That's take the power from the word. They calling me a nigger. I don't you don't know me. So I don't know who you're talking to. So don't even respond to it because that word doesn't mean anything unless you give it power. Once you once you respond to that person who just called you that, you just validated what they just said. You just validated and gave them validation that it it did what it, they wanted it to do, and that's to hurt you in some type of way emotionally. Yeah, that's no all I'm saying. I agree. Is there anything that you guys had in mind that you wanted to cover or anything before? Um, I know I asked the questions that I wanted to talk about. Let's start with you, Julie. Was there anything that you wanted to talk about before we hang up? I just really wish that we could really um, just get along with people for who they are to you. You know, uh, one thing about, you know, the work that I do, I have the pleasure of working with people all over the world. And most of the time is, you know, through a chat or something like that. You still can get to know people virtually through a chat. You can feel emotions, you know, through a chat. And we all are just having a human experience, right? What color is of no value when you think about life? You know, you're born, you breathe, you eat, you sleep. You know, we all do the same things to exist here on the world. Why can't we just really take the color element, the race, I mean, the, you know, uh, money element? Why can't we just respect and love everybody as individuals? and you know, just try and find kindness in people. I just think we would be so much better if we were more sympathetic, empathetic, and compassionate towards our fellow man. Because we're all just trying to have the same experience here in life. Live, raise your kids, be married, or just live a good life, you know, without harm or anything coming your way. And I just, you know, strive to be that way by being kind and hope hopefully it'll rub off on other people. Great, great. I mean, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. So, Mike? I'm just a squirrel just trying to get a nut. <laughs> I have not heard that one in a long time. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 
No, nah, man, I'm good. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to live life, man. That's all, man. And I just want people to judge me by my character, you know, not by the color of my skin. My response is, you know, like Julie said, we all on this rock together. We're all human beings. We're all people. And the color of your skin doesn't make you any better or any less um, than in the next person, the next human. God put us all here together. We came from different backgrounds and origins, but we are all human beings. And that's the only race on this earth is human race. Because there's good people and there's bad people, no matter what the color of your skin. And um, you can't be prejudiced towards people. You can't be racist towards people. Just love each other, man. Just love your neighbor. Love your brothers. Love your sisters. Love everybody. Because we all going to do two things in this world. Everybody. You're going to be born and you're going to die. And when you die... There's no color associated with that, no race associated with that. You're you, you going to go the same way I go, the next person go, and there's nothing going to be different about that. So love each other, man. Um, take care of each other, look out for each other, and support each other no matter what the race is. Any last words for you, Julie, you want to give to everybody? Was that your last word or you want to? No, that that was my last word. Um, just okay. thanks for the time. Thanks for the conversation. I enjoyed the dialogue. Exactly. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Racism Part 2 with Julie and Mike. I want to say thank you two for coming on the show, being such great guests and having this awesome conversation. To all my listeners, thank you for listening to the show. I ask that you go to Apple or wherever you watch or listen to the podcast and subscribe, rate, and comment. All you got to do is subscribe, rate, and comment. Support the show. Thank you guys very much for all you do and listen to the show. And I want to say again, I got a lot of things I'm trying to do coming up. Um, If you know anybody international who want to be on the show, invite them on. Um, I got some things I got for you guys and I got a lot going on and I'm I'm so excited for what's coming up. So thanks again for listening to the show and I'll talk to you on the next episode.